Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 227 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. What we do now in preparing our colonies for winter will have a direct impact on the bees, not necessarily before the end of the year, but more importantly, as we approach next spring. Work carried out now will reap its rewards, so don't delay. short and sweet a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span a beekeeper in fact just like me i'm delighted to say that our podcast is now sponsored in part by simon the beekeeper making beekeeping an affordable hobby for everyone simon the beekeeper provides the best value beekeeping equipment possible along with a super fast delivery service the bees won't wait so their customers don't have to either Visit the website at www.simonthebeekeeper.co.uk Hi everyone, and oh my goodness, it's September. Another month whizzes by, and we're currently all hands to the pumps as we get cracking to finish off in the honey room, complete the addition of new queens into the split colonies, and get some much-needed treatments into colonies that missed out in the first round. It's also the end of another year for me, that's our financial year, so there's an amount of work I need to complete with that. Nothing major, but this year I need to make some adjustments to the way things are set up, so there's a certain amount of time required to make sure that I get that right to start off our new financial year as we mean to go on. The question of what accounting system I use came up in a conversation recently, there do seem to be many different companies out there, all vying for our business. Most seem to charge, but there are a few free-to-use packages with varying degrees of options and support, as you would expect. If it's free, it's going to be fairly basic. But what's not to like about keeping things simple? To answer the question, I use an online package called QuickFile. I've used it for a number of years now and just happened to stumble across it, but it does more than enough for my simple enterprise. It was initially free of charge, but as we've grown, so we've found we've had to eventually make a payment for additional services, but it's not a massive annual amount, just £45 plus VAT annually, which I don't think is too bad. I'll pop a link to their website in the podcast notes. Weather-wise, we're back to quite dry conditions again. Not much rain in the past week, some quite warm days to contend with once more, and what rain there was has dried up pretty quickly. The short-range forecast does have some showers scattered around in it, but I guess, being showers, they're going to be quite localised and we may or may not see some rain. September is a month of continued preparation and consolidation for me. Treatments are well underway in most hives. As I said, we've missed a few, but those will get treatments in the next week. And we're also going to target our newly created nukes with an oxalic acid treatment, probably in the next fortnight. Here's why. Oxalic acid treatments are really effective at combating the varroa mites that are exposed in the hive, but it can't get to those mites that are hidden in sealed cells. The term we used for these exposed mites is phoretic mites, but this term more specifically refers to mites that are physically attached to bees, a term more generally known as phoresis. 
The upshot of this is that generally mites not hidden in sealed cells are vulnerable to a hit of oxalic acid treatment and that's why we always try to find a broodless period to treat with this specific product. My newly created nukes all had a small amount of brood in them when they were first split a couple of weeks or so ago. This brood will now be sealed and may even have emerged in some cases. The newly introduced queens will emerge from their cages, hopefully without any issues, and within a few days start to lay eggs. Those eggs will in turn become young larvae, and hopefully you all know that these cells won't be capped for another five days or thereabouts. This gives me a window of opportunity to get in and treat with oxalic acid, as there'll be no cells that will have been sealed, thus exposing the vast majority of varroa mites to the oxalic acid treatment. One issue I do have is I've yet to work out how best to treat these nukes that are housed in the plastic Technoset hives. I really don't want the high temperature of the Provap to melt the hives, so I think this time round we're going to use the trickle method. It's a really easy method to use and one available to all beekeepers, regardless of the number of colonies you have. I'll shoot a video to show how we trickle, but honestly, it's so very simple and a lot less dangerous than using any form of vaporizer. Another job to get on top of is returning colonies back to base, or at least their home apiaries. This really helps in terms of working smart. We're not looking for colonies to do anything except get through the winter and into next spring. So the plan is to make it as simple for us to check in on them over those winter months and obviously keep the fuel costs as low as possible. We still have a few national and commercial colonies for sale. Once those are gone, we'll just be on the Langstroth-sized hives, a much-needed change to the way we operate. So if anyone out there is looking for five or more colonies to add to their own setup, please do get in touch. My website contact page is the best place to go to send messages. Again, I'll leave a link in the podcast notes. A lot of what we're doing right now is focusing on settling the colonies down for winter. These jobs really fall into three headings. Viability, food and varroa. Viability really means two things. Are they queen right? And significantly, are they large enough to survive winter? Being queen right really means do they have a queen that is laying fertilised eggs and will she continue to do so through to next spring? If she's laying eggs but they turn out to be unfertilised then she's what we term a drone layer and laying any number of eggs isn't going to help you and the colony is likely to be dead by Christmas. The other aspect of being viable for the winter is really a size issue but that can vary dramatically and so I wouldn't be too quick to unite smaller colonies Rather, make a judgement on the hive they're in as much as the size of the brood nest and number of bees. We have, in the past, moved smaller colonies from full-size hives into nuke boxes, and that's worked really well in giving them the right space to keep warm and survive over winter, where they may well have died out if left in a large hive with cold winds blowing around them week on week. Inevitably, some colonies will need uniting, Making that call will come with experience, but I would rather unite than not and take the risk that they may die out. This works well, especially if you have an older queen in one colony and a younger queen in the other. Get rid of the older queen, 
The younger queen will generally continue to lay longer into the autumn months and build up a stronger cluster of bees to get them through. I've got it wrong more times than I'd care to admit, trying to nurse small colonies through. So do have a look at what you have and make a call. See how they turn out and put it down to experience either way. Feeding starts from now for me. And again, it's a judgment call on how much each colony is going to need. You'll see lots of suggestions in books and online generally about how much to feed, but most people agree that heavy sugar syrup or fondant are the way to go at this time of the year. I like to get some feed into the colonies now to make sure that the outside frames are well stocked with syrup. The reason for this is that we have a lot of ivy around us and that will soon be in flower and it does set so very hard. Getting some sugar syrup in now helps the bees access the food stored in the outside frames when it might just all be ivy and so solid they can't process it. When ivy honey is stored closer to the brood nest area, it remains warmed by the cluster and is therefore more easily utilised. There is a more recent trend of feeding just fondant colonies and that works just fine too. Just remember, if you do feed a big block of fondant, a very warm autumn day might well see it soften to the point that it starts to drip into and through the brood nest area. I've had it happen myself. So keep it well wrapped and only give the bees a smallish opening to access the fondant. My personal preference at this time of the year is the Zucan feeds from Modern Beekeeping. I've mentioned them before and I've always found the bees take to it really strongly. They seem to thrive on it, and although it is a little more pricey than straight granulated sugar syrup, it's a lot less messy in the kitchen. We've just taken delivery of a 1200 kilo IBC container of syrup, which will go onto the trailer and will drive around the apiaries, feeding en masse. This really helps to prevent the robbing that can take place at this time of the year, which in turn can spread disease. If you feed all of the colonies in an apiary at the same time, they'll be too busy feeding from their own syrup supply to be out searching around for syrup in other colonies. It's important to remember to be clean and tidy as well. There are still wasps around, more this year than for a long time, and they'll be straight onto any spilt syrup and then into the hive to try to clean up, literally. We've also started seeing a growing number of hornets in the apiaries over the last week or two. Most of the time, we hear them first, a low, rhythmical humming sound, not unlike a Chinook helicopter, and then you spot them. Hornets are almost as large as a helicopter. Well, not quite, but they are very big compared to our bees and wasps. Not the invasive Asian hornet, you understand. This is the European hornet. It generally seems to keep itself to itself. We have a large nest built in an owl nesting box at the fishing lakes, Yet the hornets have only recently been seen in the apiary, hawking around the hive entrances to grab a honeybee on the wing. We've never had a serious attack from European hornets, so I don't tend to worry too much about them really. I'd rather just sit and marvel at how fabulous an insect they are. So we're all set with queen right colonies. We're feeding syrup and we're treating for varroa mites all necessary to ensure colonies will make it through the winter. I've been asked about using supers to give additional food to colonies through the winter. I think it's only really important where you have a large colony and a small hive 
such as a Smith or National Hive, my preferred method here is to leave a Queen Excluder on right now, add a super withdrawn comb and feed syrup above that using a rapid feeder such as an Ashworth, Miller or other style of rapid feeder. One of my favourites is the Maysmore Jumbo Green Feeder. Feed until they've filled and capped the entire super. At this point I normally hold off feeding a little as I don't want the brood nest area stuffed full of syrup preventing the queen from laying as she wants. As the brood nest shrinks back so a little more feed can be given if necessary. Once all the feeding has been carried out we always pop the super beneath the brood box sandwiched between that and the floor. Don't forget to remove the queen excluder and give it a clean ready for next season. The colony will happily drop down to bring food stores back up into the brood box from the super beneath and I would say I very rarely find that the queen moves down into the super to lay eggs at any time between now and late spring by which time the super will have been removed and replaced above the brood box with the queen excluder being replaced once more. We have used this technique with larger hives too, such as the commercial and Langstroths, but actually they don't very often need the extra food, particularly here in the east of England. And if we have a prolonged period of cold weather in late winter or early spring, I usually reach for the fondant and add a few bags of that until the weather warms up enough for the bees to finally get out and start foraging on all of those spring flowering plants once more seems quite a long way off but it'll soon be here once more finally this week and if you've not yet taken a look at our support groups check out the facebook group Stuart's beekeeping basics we have a lot of experienced beekeepers in the group willing to offer help and advice to you if you've just started out on your beekeeping journey don't forget to check my website www.norfolk-honey.co.uk and for my latest videos and podcasts with more updates, tips and techniques, it's our Patreon page, www.patreon.com forward slash Norfolk Honey. And remember, I'm Stuart Spinks, and that was beekeeping, short and sweet. Yeah.